1: Is the Armchair
2: Cricket Podcast. Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. In today's episode, which which will probably be a little bit more Sri Lankan-centric again, uh, we have a very special guest, uh, first-time guest on the podcast joining us, Aravindan. Hello, Aravindan. Welcome to the Amchir Khit Podcast.
1: Hi, Ajit. Pleasure to be here.
2: Pleasure will, I hope, also be mine and all our listeners. But, uh, you know, I was telling you off-air, we recently had uh, somebody you know well, probably Estelle Vasudevan as well on the podcast, because... There was a tour of Sri Lanka and we needed somebody who could give us a Sri Lankan perspective, right? So, in this podcast, I bring the Indian perspective as an Indian expert. So, you can help me with the Sri Lankan perspective. So, also, before we go into the games and other things, right? I want to always understand how somebody came to cricket from the Southeast Asian or the South Asian subcontinent. It's really not that much of a surprise, but which was the turning point for you or when, when did the bug really catch you?
1: I think uh, just like uh, any Sri Lankan the 1996 uh, 96 uh, uh, Benson and Hedges series in uh, Australia was the turning point point. and I think that uh, garnered a lot of attention in Sri Lanka especially with the way Kalu played and like you know how we took on the Australians after all the controversy that happened and it kind of inspired me as a uh, young child and immediately the world cup followed so I think uh, there was no looking back And uh, from that point onwards, uh, cricket has been an absolutely integral part of the game, irrespective of the ups and downs. So, um, I I mean, like most of us love talking about the game and also writing about the game on my own little way. So, uh, that's how my association with the game began. And uh, here we are.
2: How I got in touch with you is through your tweets. So, I saw your tweets. I think we started interacting with each other and then we you know, picked up uh, this conversation thread, but I, I like to see that, you know, more and more people are following cricket and more and more people are putting their thoughts out about cricket. So, you know, do you do something else in your, uh, as a real job or is uh, is reporting or working on New Stories your full-time job?
1: No, no, I'm far away from reporting. So, I actually uh, uh, work for one of the healthcare companies in Sri Lanka. So, uh, basically, I'm a doctor by uh, qualification and I work in the corporate sector so yeah cricket is just by uh, it's my passion. I think I should have started the other way but thanks for clarifying
2: that actually cricket is also a passion is just a hobby for you Uh so very interesting you were also telling me off air you've had some experiences traveling around Bangalore you've had a chance to go there multiple times you had some post-graduation experiences so very interesting to see that you actually qualified as a doctor but then you know you still retain that passion for cricket. Some of our guests previously have been also associated with the medical field, but I guess it's our first loves, cricket, right? Absolutely. So now, um, if you were to pick a, from the Sri Lankan current crop of players, who would be your favourites?
1: I think from... To be honest, like it's very difficult to pinpoint a favourite, uh, the... Harsh reality is that nobody has got to that level, unfortunately. You know, uh, nobody has made us fall in love with the game like the previous generations of cricketers have done. But if if I had to pick my favorite, it will simply be Dasun Shanaka for mm. the personality that he is, and for the fact that he stood up when there was absolutely nobody and the game was crumbling. He has provided leadership, of course. Yes, he's having his own inadequacies from a strategic perspective, which everybody has. But Mm. I mean, every now and then he pulls off miracles. I mean, not every now and then frequently pulls off miracles and keeps our hopes alive. So I think Mm. Dasun Shanaka is head and shoulders above the rest. Interesting. Now,
2: so what if I were to tell you, I spoke with somebody else from your part of the world and they were telling me at that point in time, Dasun Shanaka was not only an inevitable choice, but also a sort of a, a favored choice because of his background his club background and so other things
1: what are your thoughts on that yeah i just kind of um, differ on that because in sri lanka we have a legacy of leadership uh, pipeline so if you really go back in history and see like uh, during the uh, times when even India was struggling to find a skipper for their mm-hmm. sides, I'm talking about the 1990s and 2000s until Ganguly came along. And even after Ganguly left, when there was mm-hmm. a transition between Dravid and until Dhoni came in, we never had that problem. I mean, Sri Lanka always had a pipeline of leaders from Arjuna Ratunga to Sanat Jaya Surya, Maha Natapatu, Hashantilakaratna, Mahela. We always had it. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. after Angelo's leadership tenure came to a premature end. We were left with people and it was like a revolving door. So in that right. context, you have a, a profile of Sri Lankan skippers. You know, they are from a certain club. They are from a certain school. They, they inevitably are top class batsmen. Like you have grabbed the eyeballs of the world, but Dasun wasn't any of that. In right. fact, when he was picked for the 2019 tour of Pakistan, when the seniors pulled out, you know, he was a, uh not an if he was an extremely unorthodox uh, choice but if you take his cricketing credentials composure the way he handles himself on the field I think mm-hmm. it was an inevitable choice because at that time when Dasun took over there was absolutely nobody I mean you you the Kusal era didn't go well the Kusal Janit Kusal Mendes uh, correct uh, correct era ended even before it started and uh, that was the England tour in 2021. It looks like a long time before. But uh, when, when that whole leadership saga happened and Khusam in this got into this uh, uh, unnecessary issue in Durham, we didn't have actually anybody. Because if you remember, Ajit, All the senior players, you know, there was a lot of criticism about the yo-yo test, the fitness standards that were coming in. And everybody was saying, look, you know, we are going to ditch Sri Lankan cricket and let's see who's going to take it up. And so this guy came up and took it up. So in my opinion, it's a he wasn't, it was obvious choice in a way, but he was also a far-fetched choice in another way. So it's a mixture of both.
2: Right. I mean, for me, I think you pointed the right thing there because somehow Chandimal, I think, could have done more. Also, you're right, Kusal Mendes, Kusal Pereira. I have a lot of hopes for these people, but uh, well, they may yet come back, right? Chandimal is closer. Mendes and uh, Pereira have a little bit more of a career left. I hope they come back and, you know, a little bit pick up that mantle. I mean, sometimes, right, We when we measure our heroes with the greatest of uh, sometimes in the sport, like Sangakara, Javadana, mm-hmm. and Murulitharan, Jeevan Jaisuriya, right? It's not correct to me- measure other players by their standards they were really some of the best in their time right so anyway uh, that was that is one uh, point but if we come back to uh, the um, series so i think the series ended with a bit of a whimper probably not how sri lanka would have wanted because they started really well they competed really well in the t20is odis even the first one was pretty competitive but then on it went started going down uh, was it just a ba- uh, just a you know it happens that when a tour goes bad it goes really bad was it that for sri lanka towards the end
0: absolutely
1: i would just put it down to that and I, I, in my personal opinion there has been a lot made out of uh, this because we have seen it happen i mean we have watched sri lankan cricket over a period of time and uh, if you go back to 2002 in saja versus pakistan in one of the uh, tri nation finals in 2002 april murali dislocated his shoulder while he was fielding and then, you know, the batting just crumbled, and I think we got out for a double-digit score. The reputed 2011 World Cup uh, batting lineup, including the likes of Sangha, Mahela, Dilshan, Taranga, and Matthews, got bundled out of 43 versus South Africa in the first game of a series in South Africa. And I'm not trying to give any excuses, but, you know, if you really understand the game, you... See, when you're up against a top quality bowler like Mohamed Siraj, I mean, even in yesterday's game, he picked up four wickets. He was on song, the ball was moving around and all of a sudden you lose one wicket, two wicket, and there's this fear psychosis within the dressing room and you, before you know, you are gone. I mean, if you really looked at the way the Sri Lankan team played that day, you saw the way
0: hmm.
1: Vanindu Hasaranga got out. It was a straightforward delivery which he could have planted his leg outside the off stump and just uh, blocked. But His feet were not moving. So, you know, it was kind of a brain freeze and we got out for 73. That's fine. So I think that's bound to happen. So it's about how you get out of it. But there were certain things which were highlighted and the inadequacies were emphatically highlighted. So I think that we need to focus on. But I'm not reading too much into the 73 or neither am I so worried about it. It's not false optimism, but it happens. Fair enough. So,
2: but I also understand where you're coming from. They wanted to be out of there. Once they considered 390, probably they said, you know what, this is going to be a bit tough to win, but that's when, right. You sometimes think of making uh, something for yourself. I mean, there is sometimes a little bit of a, I'll call this selfishness that comes in where you say, it's okay. I'll make a 50 for myself today. I'll play for myself today. And anyway, the team will benefit. The longer I bat, the better it is for the team, right? Sometimes that 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 goes missing out of the window sometimes it keeps the top order batsmen motivated people like avishka fernando kusal mendes also had a you know not a good tour charitha asalanka not a good tour right shanaka did really well i mean only the last two games he didn't do well hasaranga with the bat for example chamika karunaratna can do more so these were all people who one of them or two of them had to say you know what screw it i'm going to just stay here i'm going to take it to the last over and let's see if they can get me out that that didn't materialize and India, India were probably going to win the game anyway. But the way it happened was a little bit of a letdown, I think. But also, from a bowling perspective, was a very tough tour for the fast bowlers. Kasun Rajita, Lahiru-Kumara. I think Chamika Karna Ratna is there or thereabouts. Dasun Shanaka will give you four or five overs in a game, not more. But the main bowling when Kasun Rajita, Lahiru-Kumara, I think they suffered a lot. But I think it's a good uh, turning point in their careers if they can pick up from this.
1: Absolutely. In my opinion... I, it's, it's unfortunate in a sense that we couldn't field our first, uh, uh line bowling lineup. And I would have really loved to have seen how Dushmanta Chamir and uh, Lahiru Madhushankar would have operated in tandem on such, uh, uh, strenuous, I mean, like demanding conditions. Unfortunately, both of them were injured. Not an excuse again. But, um, in a 1st and Sri Lankan side, obviously Kasun Rajita and, uh, um, Lahir Kumara will be vying for the third seamer spot. So, But I have a little bit of an uh, extreme view or probably a contrarian view where going into the World Cup I would like to see either Matisha Patirana who plays for CSK or Mm. Nuan Tushara who played in Australia take the third baller slot because just like what you said with the bat, okay we are not doing great with the ball, we don't have match winners to be honest so let's Mm. throw this somebody in who is unorthodox and just stir the pot. If they come good, that's brilliant. If they don't, that's fine. Because for Rajita to succeed, Rajita, I rate him very highly. He has been doing extremely well in test cricket. And he needs a little bit of assistance from this cricket. So if the World Cup was on a different track, maybe say South Africa, I would have pl- placed my hopes on him very highly. Lahir Kumara, again, is a wild card. But I think we have given him enough chances. And I again believe that, you know, he's very young, raw. He will become way better than what he is. We should remember this is a guy who has won us a game in Barbados, which is, uh, which is one of the strongholds of West Indies cricket. And I, he picked up a lot of because back in 2018, if I remember right. And that's potential. But in the short term, looking at the World Cup, I'm again, it's not a, false optimism, but I just hope that these guys, Lahir Madushanka and Dushmata are fit and firing. They last through the World Cup, and then we have either one of those two players I mentioned as third seamer when required. And yeah. uh, then either Lahir Kumar or Kasun Rajita could be back up. But... Uh, you saw the difference in the Indian bowling lineup and the Sri Lankan lineup. I think Sri Lanka batsmen were more generous, or batters rather, were more generous in gifting their wickets away. But mind you, when you're against when you're against Rohit Sharma, Shubman Virat Kohli, Furia du Ishan Kishan, you can't. It can't get any difficult than that. So I hope I'm pretty sure that they would have learned from it, and hopefully. Um, become a different version when they are faced with a similar situation which they will face for sure against England Australia and all types of teams agreed so it it can be like that you know but for me I think
2: um it's about really your trump card or your mainstay of the attack you need one or two so for me I was hoping Rajita could graduate and become the mainstay even in limited overs games he, he does well in tests no doubt But uh, also, Kumara has had his chances. You're right. Patirana. I don't know if his time has come, if he's ready to take the mantle on. But for me, Chamira is the real disappointment. I want to see more of him. He's such an exciting bowler. When he's on song, he has the pace, he has the bounce. That's what I was looking for in Rajita, really. Because he's also hit the deck sort of bowler. He bowls fast. Kumara, we really hope he turns the corner. And he has the capacity to lead this attack. So, I'm thinking, come the World Cup, you'll probably see... Any three out of, you know, Kumara, Madushanka, uh, Chamira, and maybe Patirana, really. Right? But you'll be playing the World Cup again in subcontinental conditions. So, I'm thinking, again, the spinners will have to stand up a little bit. Hasaranga, but also for me, um, tikshana tikshana Hasaranga, I see them in the lineup all the time, simply because of Tikshna can even open the bowling if required, right? So let's see. Let's see. I'm I'm more counting on those people to really stand up because you'll always have somebody like Dasun Shanaka who'll give you those four or five hours additional medium pace bowling if required. So even if you go with two fast bowlers, you can cover that up because if you have Dananjaya De Silva in the 11, he'll give you those other four or five. Charita Sri Lanka can bowl. So for me, it's not a problem if you're playing in subcontinent, right? You have plenty of options if you're Sri Lanka. From that perspective, I would say Yes. They would, they'd let themselves down a little bit. Somebody could have really stood up as well. Look, the bowling lineup is irrespective of, uh, sorry, the batting lineup, right? It's irrespective of who you start off with. Somehow, Avishka Fernando did not come good. Navanidu Fernando started well. But you know, I'm worried about these Fernandos. Oshada also started well, I remember. Now I don't see him in the eleven. Right, but maybe he's a long format player, we don't know. Eh? So, Mendes and Pereira really, these are the two guys who now need to stand up and take Sri Lanka forward in the top four or five. So, I'm hoping more from them, right? And Asalanka, really, he played such a match winning uh, knock recently, now he's nowhere to be seen. So, for you, are you happy with the way this lineup,
1: the start, the top order is shaping up? Absolutely not, yes and no. Again, you know, I'm not trying to sit on the fence, but I'll rationalize my thought process. Right now I'm not thinking beyond twenty twenty three World Cup. And about two years before we did not have a batting lineup to be fair enough. If you remember the first game that we played or uh, yeah, the first game, first ODI that we played in England in twenty twenty one after the debacle, uh, we were falling like a pack of cards. Asalanka made his debut in that game. So right. on paper, all of these players have massive potential. Absolutely massive potential, potential superstars. You might have seen Asalaka scoring that 100 in the Australian series. You nice. saw his match winning performance against Afghanistan. So the potential is there. The same with Avishka Fernando. He has his century against uh, South Africa. The shot he played against Jofra Archer was probably the shot of the tournament for Sri Lanka in 2019 World Cup. Followed it up with a century versus West Indies in the initial part of his career. Has been touted highly right from the start. And Kusal Mendis, we need not talk about. Him. like you know, absolute, absolute potential. He has shown mm-hmm. what he's capable of uh, quite a few times. But what actually lacks is consistency and match temperament. So if you really look at the Indian series, Avishka Fernando threw his wicket away. He played across the line for a ball which actually did not swing in the first game, played across the line, sky did, got out. Then on absolute road in Kolkata, he played a loose shot, got bowled in between the bat and pad. And here he poked outside the off-stump and got out. So what each and every one of them needs to remember is that at the end of the day, they need to take a leaf out of the New Zealand game like yesterday. They need to understand that the top order has more time than they think. Mm. If they stay there, inevitably they are going to score runs, or at least they set the platform and bring it up to say around after 35 35 overs, at least we are... Maybe maybe somewhere around 175, 180 for three wickets and setting the platform for the likes of uh, Dasun Shanaka to come and fire. So, if Shanaka fires from that point onwards, once in three, four games, we are going to be in a good uh, state. So, inevitably, as the goal saying goes, you target 300, you will end up with probably 325, 330. That has happened with Sri Lanka in recent times as well. So, on paper, I don't think we can have a, a better batting lineup. I'm really impressed with Nuanindu Fernando. I have been following him. From the domestic circuit like in sri lanka invitational league absolutely eye-catching and looks to have a good head on his shoulders he showcased that it's not easy playing in front of a crowd at kolkata he scored a 50 unfortunately got run out even in the i mean all the chaos that happened in uh, the last game at trivandrum he was uh, looking somewhat okay he was finding his own way surviving until he got out so i this is what I believe. Like, if this team realizes their potential and like, you know, if they could translate their potential into at least a certain amount of, uh, performance, Sri Lanka will be in a reasonably good state. And I still have that belief. It, it, hmm. it, it might be, there are certain technical inadequacies. For example, something that has been plaguing, uh, Kusal Mendes has been his vulnerability outside the off You saw that in the Indian series as well. Of I any mean, vulnerability around the uh, corridor of uncertainty. So right. I certainly believe that hopefully for Sri Lanka cricket's sake, they rectify it within the next few months. And if they do, I'm I'm hopeful that, I'm not saying we are going to be favorites or contenders for the World Cup, but I will be really happy if we put up a show where somewhere towards until the latter part of the tournament, we are at least even if we have an outside chance of qualifying for the semi-finals, assuming that we get through the qualifiers, mm. uh, I'll be more than happy. That will be a big win.
2: Understandable. You actually already answered my next potential question. Now, okay. I think we can go on to the New Zealand-India series. Only one match has happened, but what a thriller it was. Shubman Gill okay. hitting a double hundred, um, showing he belongs and he, he should have to now be removed by you know some injury or something from the, at least the ODI lineup. Uh, the chances he's getting now, he's showing that he's confident enough. He scored 100 in that last game versus Sri Lanka. Now he's scored a double hundred here. Took India to 349. I mean, so you would think most teams, right, would not be able to really perform as well as New Zealand did without their top two players. You don't have Tim Saudi. You don't have Kane Williamson as well. I really appreciate how well New Zealand batted yesterday because you pointed out correctly in your analysis in that previous Sri Lankan series where you said the top order just took more time. And even after the top order went away, you would think if Glenn Phillips uh, and uh, Tom Latham dismissed with such a lot of score to get, you would think, okay, this is a done deal. I remember tweeting that. But then how, how wrong it proved where they were within two hits of taking the game, really. And Michael Bracewell probably played the innings of his life
1: yesterday. Probably we would have thought he had played the innings of his life when New Zealand played Ireland sometime back. I guess he uh, <laughs> exactly uh, scored that thing. So, I mean, to be honest, like, I actually forgot that. And I was, uh, um, I haven't actually, I have heard about Bracewell, but I remember him. Uh, his spin bowling is what actually stood in my mind. So I think, mm. well, I, this, I hope i think it will be very very difficult to better this uh it has to be uh, the innings of his life but i think new zealand will be hoping that he will better that if he does so that's going to be one awesome knock because what i really loved about that innings was as you said you tweeted and at 131 for 65 right when uh latham got out i actually uh went uh, around, I wasn't actually following the game the going was going in the background and after some time I came and looked at the score my goodness they had had 100 and still they were a fair distance away 120 mm-hmm. runs off probably 130 odd away when I came back and you know it was just an absolutely insane level of hitting we have seen innings like that I think probably you would remember Marcus Stone is played an in innings of that sort versus New Zealand sometime back where he got run out I guess called 140-yard runs. Tisara Pereira played a similar knock against New Zealand and almost pulled off a win for Sri Lanka from an improbable position back in 2018, 17, 18, if I remember right, while he was leading the side. Right. Now Bracewell right. and those innings just you know you had to just say hats off and it's a pleasure to see them. It's pleasure to see those innings happen. Absolutely, I think the difference was
2: Siraj <laughs> towards the end because. You know, India, India fast bowlers were panicking.
1: And, Ajit, uh, Ajit, don't forget uh-huh. at the right. I read somewhere, I read uh-huh. somewhere. it could be Gil, it could be Bracewell. I think it's a famous Indian uh, journalist who had tweeted, I don't remember his name, but he's good. He, he had tweeted, hmm. it could be Gil, it could be Bracewell, it could be anybody. But at the end of the day, Lord has the last laugh. Always. I, always. Absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, but on a serious note, um, it was no surprise that Siraj picked up those wickets, and I think we should really appreciate Hardik Pandya as well, right? That that mm. in his when he came back four was forty-five runs for no wicket. When he came right. back hit fifth over, he didn't give away runs, and uh, that was the major turning point. So
0: mm.
1: the Indian bowling stood up, and Siraj did the way, obviously. Absolutely, and look, Siraj is now
2: sort of. Uh, Peaking nicely in his, uh, you know, in his preparations, he looks like a really good bowler in all formats, especially in the limited hours format. He's come very far from where he was even a year ago. A year uh-huh. ago, we were all thinking of him as a um, sort of test match bowler and so on. Now yeah. he's really good, even in uh, the shorter formats and something that we will always, you know, say now going forward, this guy is now ready as Shami sort yeah. of nearing the end of his career. Siraj is... Right there or thereabouts that he'll pick up that mantle of somebody who can bowl 138, 142 and still, you know, trouble the batsman with those slightly test match lengths. Those are still very useful. Not everybody is good enough to go on the back foot and loft you uh, behind your head on so on and so forth. So he really was the difference there because those overs that he bowled near the end where he was going for maybe even 11, maybe 8, maybe 9 and over really kept New Zealand down. 2-3-3 three, three runs in those overs and they would have come to within one hit if not, you know, winning the game in that last over. So, Shardul Thakur had to bowl the last over because Shami had been bowled out. You were right. Even the captain probably knew Lord had to have, have the last laugh and so on. So, he saved him for the end. But, you know, as a, as a game all and uh you know all out entertainer if you look at it that way that was the most important thing for me and that was the thing i would say you know you're looking for from a from a odi game at the end there was a lot to write about a lot to talk about but at the end it was an absolute thriller so that i really like so i'm really looking forward to how the rest of the series will go so do you see do you see new zealand being able to make a comeback maybe even uh, scare india if not even win a couple of games out
1: right here here's the thing which i see like uh, in my opinion like uh, just like with sri lanka's asia cup campaign new zealand's performance yesterday was actually distorted if you take Bracewell's uh, supreme brilliance out new zealand actually did not compete with india but then somebody could also say look if you take gill out of the equation or had Latham latched on to that chance when gill was around 50 it would have been a exactly. Different story exactly so that's but, stumping right yeah <laughs> absolutely but but I personally believe, as you said, Ajit, New Zealand and New Zealand, they always punch above their weight. On paper, they may not seem like strong enough to compete with India, especially with Saudi and especially Williamson and not in the equation. But I think it will be a reasonably well contested series. And if they can pull off a victory, will be massive. But New Zealand have always done well in India. Since 2019, I think this is the first win India have had over New Zealand, if my stats are correct, because I remember reading that somewhere. New Zealand has been India's Achilles Hill always. So <laughs> surely not, surely not going to write them uh, off. And um, I mean, if they could really compete, it will be brilliant, right? At the end of the day, in this World Cup year, you don't really worry about the results, right? It's all about like what you get out of each game. And mm-hmm. yesterday's game was an absolute blind So. Uh, Let's hope we get two more at least near good games.
2: So from Indian perspective, as the World Cup nears, uh, they are sort of going through a few combinations. Now with, you know, uh, Pant not being able to play, it's sort of a blessing in disguise, I must say. But um, for the Indian 11, they don't have enough left-handers in the top six. Uh, That's an issue. Ishan Kishan will probably get a longer rope now, now that Pant cannot really come and play. So... Do you think India are sort of going in the right direction
1: from a preparation to the World Cup perspective? I absolutely think so because there are a lot of things uh, falling in place. And uh, if, if you see from 2011, I mean, after the 2007 debacle, in an ideal world, India should have actually won all three World Cups because they have been absolutely brilliant and they have not lost many games as well. In 2015, it was a semi-final. In 2019, it was again the semi-final. And um, I think 2023 has to be India's year simply because uh, you have an insane lineup and uh, it's the, it's a matter of picking the right choices. So I think in the past, especially in the T20 World Cups, there have been certain decisions made which actually did not serve the best interest of the uh, team. But I think right now you are on track and yeah, not having many left handers is a chunk. But why would you complain when you have three batters in the uh, lineup who have scored three uh, double hundreds and then you have somebody <laughs> by the name of uh, Surya Kumar Yadav who's replacing Shreyas Iyer. I mean like that's right. insane isn't it like when Sri Lanka were playing I was just thinking okay you get through all these people and then invoke Hardik Pandya I mean you don't know how the opponents will feel like this right. is strong as anything but I seriously think in, uh, in the subcontinent whatever you say the batting is what's going to click because the quality of bowling is going to be evened out simply because of the flat nature of the wickets, which I see the 2023 World Cup will be on. And uh, even then, you have the likes of. We need not talk about Boombra, We know what he's capable of, but uh, Siraj will be a key. And uh, spinners, I don't know, but maybe Kuldeep Yadav would be an X-factor, especially somebody like Kuldeep Yadav, a left-arm. Ristina hmm. takes the hmm. track out of the equation. So I'm I'm curious to see how it, uh, it turns out. So uh, I I I kind of feel that it's India's here and India has to lose this workout. Interesting. I don't think anybody is going to beat them. I hope I'm not jinxing it. But if you look from a technical perspective, it is that and mind you Ajit, one thing I have seriously seen, one thing I see India doing differently right now is they are having consistency. When Ishan Kishan scored that double hundred, they could have easily said, okay, Gil, you stay out. Now Ishan comes in. But that was a very, very tough call and an audacious call. They said, Kishan, you sit out. Gil is our first choice. He will Mm -hmm. continue. And you're having that consistency in the side. And I think that will serve you well this year compared to the last uh, few World Cups.
2: Indeed. So that was was, uh, really quite... uh quite a call to make from Rahul Dravid and then it was, I think, uh, it was indeed Rohit. But, you know, the one person who's, who's part in the 11 itself is a, looks a bit weak is Rohit himself. I think he needs to turn on the tap as well, score some big runs. You know, as a skipper, you always appreciate his cool. Even yesterday when um, the bowlers were getting thrashed, you could see that he was keeping cool. He had a couple of things up his sleeve he knew would work. And it somehow did, but Rohit, the batsman, also needs to come to the party because with Virat Kohli rediscovering his uh, mojo, at least in the limited-overs formats, and people like Kishan Gill and KL Rahul. So KL Rahul himself, you 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 tend to forget him, but he showed his importance in that low-scoring game, right, where he took India to home uh, to victory. So you, with all of these people there it's going to be very interesting. So you're right from bowling perspective, I always expect one holding spinner, either somebody like Sundar or Aksar Patel or Jadeja, and you will have one wrist spinner always in the 11. It could be Chahal, it could be Kuldeep on a good pitch, maybe both of them, right? So it's going to be a very interesting uh, interesting sort of a year indeed, but India found a way to lose, you're right. In Somehow they get to the semifinal, then it all comes a cropper and they lose. So let's hope they're able to make that difference and come up and win the World Cup again at home. So, speaking of World Cup, we have multiple Indian players calling for an early start, right, to try and combat the dew, right? So, normally, a day-night game, which you would expect most of the World Cup to be day-night games, you would expect it starts around 2 p.m. India time. Is is it something that you think is a good idea to start it a little earlier to combat the dew, given that it will be played in October, it will be monsoon, and, you know, it will always be a bit
1: muggy? I actually wish the game start at 2.30 so that you could uh, 1.30 or 2.30 so that you can uh, see more of it but from a Mm. cricketing perspective I think obviously when Ashwin says something you just listen right you don't you don't argue with it or probably one of the best brains going around but Mm. um, an early start obviously seems I think it happened previously as well right if I remember right uh, in 2012 when Pakistan and England toured 2012-13 there were Mm -hmm. some early starts as as I remember uh so yeah definitely worth it because at the end of the day you don't want the due to have a unreasonable impact and skew the game in favor of somebody but here's another interesting thought Ajit so I'm all for it though as a cricket fan I would hate it because it would mean the amount of uh time i could watch the game will be cut down significantly because you know it's going to overlap with all our working hours but mm. uh, but i'm mean, especially in the subcontinent so i don't know whether the tv broadcasters will like it most probably they will not but here's the thing which i would want to pitch some an idea which actually resonated with me uh the south african team previous south african team analyst uh present Nagoram, right he uh He's uh, he appears on these uh, programs with Ashwin as well. He mentioned right. something quite interesting. Take the toss away and make it a strategic bet. Each team has to offer the amount of runs that they are willing to offer the opponent. So, if I the team that offers the most runs gets the decision to make the gets the opportunity to make the decision. So, what I'm saying is, Sri Lanka play India. Mm. India puts ten runs on the table. Sri Lanka puts twenty runs on the table. Sri Lanka in the toss, so when India starts score will be plus 10 India will start with plus, plus, 20, 10, or plus uh, 20 or plus 10. so yeah. it's about yeah. it's that makes it really strategic so if I am confident of chasing it down sometimes I might offer 20 runs the opponent offer 50 runs so I think there it gets it's not quite cricket but cricket mm-hmm. has to think out of it because that's a significant amount of strategic uh decision making involved so as a fan I would like to stick for a 1.30 start, perhaps even a 2 o'clock start. But Mm. from a cricketing perspective, yeah, early start, I'm all for it. You know, uh, you're absolutely right, first of
2: all. With what uh, control the advertisers and the broadcasters have, they will not like a later start. That's the the reality of it.
1: Perhaps we might end up at uh, 12.30. That's my guess. That will be great, actually. 12.30 will actually make it easy if you are a player, yeah. I suppose. Right? Yeah.
2: But if you are working, you will not really appreciate it because it's not even your lunch and the game starts off. Right? Absolutely. But anyway, look, us fans will find a way to watch the game no matter what. Sometimes in the background, sometimes in the foreground, you know, what you were saying <laughs> yesterday about yesterday's game. Anyway,
1: so or going else, on. Or else, Ajit, we should do this. If you remember in 1997, the Independence Cup Quadrangular tournament was played in India. It started at 4:30 or 4 o'clock. Went well past midnight, but right. who complains? Both the teams will be affected by uh, uh, dew, especially when you <laughs> go to the north of India, I guess. But yeah, just a, um, you know, I don't see time. that.
2: Uh, I don't see that format returning. <laughs> yeah. That's very, that's very, very uh, tough to come back. But regarding yeah. your uh, other proposal, I don't think we are there yet, at least for the upcoming World Cup.
0: Yeah, maybe in absolutely. five
2: years' time, this might be a realistic realistic approach to try to, you know, um, cause that um, analytical uh, side of the teams to also develop as good as their skill set, where you're Absolutely. able to analyze and put some bet on how well you're going to do. But that's probably going to be introduced ground up. You will see yeah. some some systems where, for example, um, in England, they're already, they've already tried to do away with tosses just to negate yes. the home home team advantage and so on. So, yes. they will probably come that way. That will come that route where it will be tried at a lower level. And then once we know the full implications of what that can be, probably it will come to the international level. But something yes. really interesting that you bring up. Yes. Now, before we go on to more news, just a quick mention about the Zimbabwe-Ireland series that's going on. Real thrillers they are playing out there. You know, we talked about thrillers, India, Sri Lanka and so on. But... Zimbabwe versus Ireland is a real, real, very interesting game. Because first of all, the third T20i, it was one-all going into the decider. Zimbabwe used the home advantage beautifully, right? So they they simply uh, beat Ireland by first letting them bat, but then chasing, as you say, backing themselves to chase that total, keeping Ireland down to a middling total, and then going on and chasing it. So they won the series, the T20i series 2-1, Zimbabwe. And coming on a high, right... So, Ran Burl, who was sort of the man of the match in the last E20, was against once again the man of the match in the first ODI, because here, Ireland batted really well. So, they had 200s in the middle order, and they came up with uh, like 288 score, which is a huge score in these conditions. But then, Zimbabwe, it was a rain-affected game. I thought, you know, if the game had gone the distance, Zimbabwe might not have chased that down. But when they came back, they got a modified target And that, again, they didn't start that well. So, first of all, Sikandar Raza and Ryan Burl Burl were at the crease. And immediately after resumption requiring 39 of 23, Sikandar Raza was out. Then you again thought, you know, this is going to be tough. But Ryan Burl kept kept at it. I again remember tweeting saying, oh, this is a lot to do. Clive Mandanda will have to do something really special. He did. He hit the four of the last ball. That was his first boundary shot. And he did that to win a game. Right? So, Ryan Burl hit a couple of fantastic hits. In the last seven to eight balls, they hit five boundary shots, Zimbabwe to take the game. So it was fantastic. I'm still looking for good highlights online. So I, w- I would really like to see even a replay of those last 10 balls rather than highlights because the, the excitement and the tension must have been quite electric. So wonderful game and wonderful series that's being played a little far away from our Vision, maybe not a lot of broadcasters are also carrying it. But nonetheless, really great to see Zimbabwe sort of always continuing to punch above their weight. Ireland probably will be a bit disappointed at how these last two games have gone on. But you never write Ireland off either. They're going to come back strong. So something to look forward to in this series. Now, going further, uh, let's look at some of the other news. The first big thing I would like to discuss is the women's IPL. We got um, news that, you know, Viacom18 has... Uh, bid a huge number uh, for a five-year deal, they have bid uh, Indian rupees 951 crore, which is about 116.7 million US dollars. So what that means is each game will be worth about 7.09 crores Indian rupees, right? That's a lot of money if you think about it. Look, we shouldn't compare men's game to women's game and men's IPL to women's IPL, but this number is already so amazing that this tournament has at its inception become the second most valuable women's tournament anywhere across all sports does this surprise you at
1: all not at all i don't think so because if anybody had watched the 2018 or 17 world cup final at lords between india and england i think it was oh 2017 man. Right? don't remind yeah. me of that oh, and i remember I mean, so it was a, it was again a game for you to lose and you did that but, um, and also the semi-final by Harman Prith Kaur against Australia, where she, uh, I mean, you know, we have had those kind of things. So when you watch the women's game, I hope I'm not um misunderstood. I personally believe the women's game does not have the power that the men's game have has. When I say power, the mm. power hitting, the masculinity. So because of that, it 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 it's kind of a game that the men's game was back in the twenty uh, in the nineteen nineties. Where two hundred and fifty plays two hundred and thirty, and that's an absolute beauty. Hmm. When two hundred and forty, that's a passcode. That's a different kind of a game. It's not like a, it's not like a turbocharged uh, battle of you know heavy But it's a skill, it's craft, and you had to grind it. And that's what the women women's game offers. And when it comes to t- T20s also, it's similar to that. So it has a, the women's game has an absolute place in the minds of uh, a pure cricket lover and, uh, that's absolutely untapped potential. So I think that's uh, no surprises that, uh, the women's IPA has gone for this much. There are so much of brilliant talent going around. I mean, in 2020, before the pandemic, uh, MCG had a 90,000 plus attendance for the India, Australia world T20 final, right. And then, mm. if you look at the World Cup that happened this year, uh, if I remember right, uh, it was the uh, uh, it was in New Zealand, and you know there were so many thrillers, and Alyssa Healy playing that 170 in the final, England Australia. That's absolutely immense potential. It's it's beautiful, and I'm British. Mm. I'm not surprised by this, and uh, it will catch up just like how other men's and women's uh, aspects of different games have evolved. But I sincerely hope that the game has its own identity and doesn't become a slam bang like the men's game, because then you don't want to see the same kind of thing uh, in different um, across the gender. So I think women's game has its own USP and a niche, and it's an absolute treat to watch as a cricket lover, pure cricket lover. Absolutely, I think it still retains that uh, a touch of the
2: old school. I I uh, hope
1: and... it I hope it continues that way.
2: Uh, you know, to paraphrase what you said, uh, 130 players or 125 might be very, very
1: interesting as well. And and, and that, that the recent India-Australia series, like how thrilling was that? But I just mm-hmm. hope and see that, you know, this league gives opportunities to many other uh, women players from uh, emerging countries as well, which will be mm-hmm. good for the game of uh, cricket as a whole. Absolutely. Now, that brings me to my next point. So, We are
2: now uh, getting to hear the rules of the auction and how much each team is allowed to spend, what's the salary cap, and so on and so on. It's very interesting that, you know, starting salary cap is uh, 12 crore Indian rupees. At the end of the first five-year cycle, it'll be 18 crore rupees. So they're also making it a bit more open. They're allowing five overseas players in each team. There are only five teams, so that means more overseas players can play. Also, you know, there are other teams like Thailand, which are not very well-known in the men's uh, sphere, cricketing sphere. So they would also get opportunities, right? So you always have a couple of Sri Lankan bigwigs will be there for sure. But I'm hoping, you know, uh, you're right. Some lesser known names, also names from uh, outside of the big three or four teams, which we keep our eyes on, are also there and they get to shine, you know, this all opens a lot of opportunity for me the only question which i always used to ask is are they already a bit late they could have done this a couple of years ago but maybe now is the right time and they have uh picked the right time so we really hope you know uh this goes on from strength to strength and like i like what australia did with the bbl right so they combined uh, Two game uh, sort of a playoff where uh, sorry two two games sort of a set. So you go, you watch the women's game in the morning. You go, you see the men's game later on in the afternoon. I wonder if they are also going to combine some games like this. But also nowadays, I think BBL is moving away from that uh, process. Let's see how it goes. It's every market you have to figure it figure out what works for you and so on. I guess. So, but all in all, it's heading in the right direction. So we really hope it continues in that same direction. So one other news we heard, Panth. He's had some crucial injuries in his knee ligaments. Three ligaments are injured. So basically, he might miss most of this year. We really hope, you know, he takes his time. He's a young man. His body, you're a doctor, you know more than me. His body is probably, you know, able to better handle it now than maybe in a couple of years time. So we really hope he takes all the time he needs so that he's able to come more stronger. He's a very strong man. Mentally, you know, physically, you know, he's a very strong man. He's shown that on the field. So, we really hope the same strength comes through that he's able to recover uh, and come back much stronger than when he uh, met with this accident. This is one news. The other one is, is sort of a left field news for me. Uh, South Africa are set to name a uh, split captaincy with Shukri Conrad and Rob Walter. Shukri Conrad is sort of uh, going to be He's sort of already in the setup. He's been under 19 coach, all that. This is a known name. Rob Walter for me was a fully new name. So Lance Klusner was one of the people. Richard Pybus, some of these other people who are known, who have uh, done some coaching in, uh, across the world, they were not to be seen. We also thought Russell Domingo might be in the picture because he's quit his, the way he quit his Bangladesh role, it was sort of very much coinciding with the timing. But none of them are there. So it, First of all, the split coaching. Do you see? Do you see this might work for South Africa?
1: I hope and pray that something works for South Africa because they have, from the day they made the choice of uh, Vernon Philander over Kyle, uh, but in the 2015 World Cup semi-final, things have gone down south. <laughs> uh, so you know nothing has actually worked for them and like if you really looked at the way they played in australia it was really uh heartbreaking because you can't afford to lose south africa uh, absolutely amazing cricketing nation so i don't know how it's going to help them because even i saw recently like the squad that they have announced for the uh, english uh, series they haven't picked some of their best uh, domestic players as far as i uh can um, i understood so there's a lot of controversy going around so the best part is maybe in that kind of a context it's better because you know you uh, delineate the formats and there are separate uh, think tanks for each format and that might help them to figure out their own way because it, i mean you see england has done that successfully and hopefully it should work for uh south africa as well and i mean india has been doing that in an unofficial way to be uh, sp- not not per se clear cut, but you see Dravid and Lashman alternating between series given the amount of volume of cricket that's been played. So I think it's a good initiative mm. by South Africa. And for cricket's sake, let's hope that it works. Absolutely. South Africa is a very strong cricketing team
2: uh, across the times. And I hope they red- rediscover that mojo and they come back stronger. And uh, there are strengths, as you say, in each sort of cricketing setup. They want to probably vitalize both, and they want to bring that both to the fore. Let's see if uh, how that's going to work. Uh, staying with South African cricket, Hashim Amla has decided to hang up his boots. He he sort of retired from international cricket almost five years ago, but he was still playing first-class cricket in the in England for Surrey, and he's decided to finally hang up his boots for good. Uh, absolute gentleman cricketer and one of the most beautiful to watch. I was lucky enough to watch him live a couple of times, and you'll never you'll never forget. How, how beautiful he, he was. I mean, just to just to give you an example, it's like watching Sangakkara bat or Mahila bat. You, you will never forget it if you've seen it live. So it's quite something. And specifically Mahila of those two. Really, I really like how he used to play. So anyway, sun sets on another very storied career. We wish Amla all the best going further. A small piece of news that came out is that David Moore has been appointed something called Head of Programs by Bangladesh Cricket Board. Something, something that's new. That it's, it's they, they want him to focus on, you know, high performance program as well as Bangladesh Tigers program they call it. So, I think more, more to come from here. He's sort of going to be behind the scenes, strategizing, planning, um, sort of implementing different sort of strategies. I think they want to build a strong base from which Bangladesh cricket can. They have been going through a trough as well. They, they want to bounce back. So, interesting appointment. Somebody who's had a lot of experience. So, hope you know Bangladesh cricket will benefit from this appointment. Those were all the news that we wanted to cover. Thank you very much, uh, Arvindan, for uh, giving us your time and your very nice opinions. So for somebody who's in medicine, you have a very good grasp of the nuances of the game and it comes through in your tweets as well. So no surprises there. So thank you for uh, coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Ajit. Pleasure connecting with you. It was a a wonderful chat. So before we let you go,
2: uh, is there anything you would like to plug Uh, Apart from your Twitter, of course, anything else? Maybe you write blog articles, maybe something else, something coming up.
1: Yeah. So basically on uh, Facebook, uh, I have a page called Cricketing Perspectives. And uh, there are quite a lot of articles mostly related to Sri Lankan cricket. And, uh, you know, the objective of that uh, page is to collate all that I write in the hope that one day I could write a book on Sri Lankan cricket. So that's my, you know, kind of an aspiration. But uh, cricketing perspectives, there's quite a lot of content. So if you haven't, uh, if you like Sri Lankan cricket, probably you could uh, drop in there and have a read. And uh, yeah.
2: Great to hear. We wish you all the best in your uh, endeavors, you know, leading up to maybe a book in a couple of years. We really hope we can uh, also have you back on the podcast as a guest again and again. uh, Somebody who can offer us a very unique perspective on Sri Lankan cricket. So thank you very much, and uh, we wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from. So it's a goodbye from me and my guest Aravindan. Bye bye. Thank you, Ajit. Bye. This is the Armchair Cricket podcast.